Hello and welcome to our second edition of our Odd Lots podcast, brought to you from Graham Bud Auctions. <clears throat> In this episode, we are going to share with you the prices realised from our just happened March auction on the 7th and 8th. And our first podcast, still available to listen to on YouTube and other sites, myself and my fellow Odd Lotters, Adam Gascoigne and John Garrett, discussed the many highlights in the March sale. I'm delighted to say they are both joining me again to discuss the prices achieved and the, just, the March sale just gone past. Uh, good morning, Adam. Morning, how are you? Uh, good, not too bad, thank you. Morning, John. Good morning, David. Can I just add to people listening that should they need a translation book, there is one available directly from Greenwood Auctions. You're super very kind. And just just on that note, actually, um, I'm not sure you're aware of it, um, myself, Adam and John are dotted throughout the country. I'm based north of the border. John's in Sheffield. Adam in our offices in Wellingborough. As I look out my window, there's a wonderful snowstorm happening as just now. So my black lab will be delighted because he loves the snow. So he'll be having fun at lunchtime. But one saving grace for me is that I don't need to get a lawnmower out today. So no cutting the grass this evening. So that's a bit of a bonus. <laughs> We in-house joke for you there, guys. Sorry, oh, back to the sale. <laughs> we diversify. So, yeah. anyway, chaps, back to the March sale. The March sale was over 1,100 lots, and it was to date our best ever auction, um, realising over £844,000, which included the buyer's premium, and helping to achieve that record-breaking total with the lots we're going to discuss in the next 15, 20 minutes. And starting with you, Adam, you kicked us off the last time, Adam, to be football analogy for you there, regarding the 1954 World Cup watch given to William Ling. So tell us how that went, Adam, in the sale. Yeah, I'll see what you did there, David. Very good. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of my favourite slots, I think, I put my neck on the block last week um, and it didn't disappoint. I was, um, I was also lucky to be doing the telephone bidding on the lot as well. So... Um, that was coincidental. Um, went for three thousand six hundred pounds, so I overestimate. Then we got two to three thousand on it, and loved it. Worth worth every penny, I think. It's it's just a shame it doesn't work, but who yeah. knows? May get it to work in the future if we if it goes back to Brightlin, things might move on. But sure. um, it it would be lovely if it was in original condition. But it, it's just a great story, so you have to take that the rough with the smooth a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Ending, starting in, in, in Berlin, ending up in Canada, and then coming all the way back to the UK to be sold at auction. And I take um, it, it found a good home? I was just about to say, it's it's gone to one of the best World Cup collections I'm aware of, uh, yeah. cer- certainly in this country, and if if not the world, it's it's um, it's going to it's going to look really really smart in amongst some uh, some high quality items. I think there's about. 13 World Cup winners medals in in that collection so and I know they were missing a little bit of of 54 stuff so um, yeah perfect fit excellent well there you go you know we'd obviously try but obviously obviously estimate two to three thousand there was competition for it so uh, obviously you're buying one out in the day which was uh, which was fantastic um and John moving on the medals my shot was something you sort of took great Fancy tune, spoke about it beautifully in the last podcast, again, still available. Um, tell us how the shot did that day, John. Uh, yeah, I mean, superb, really. I think 
We'd expected fifteen to twenty thousand on it. Uh, the sale day realised sixteen thousand, which is you know bang on the money. Really, it'd be nice to got a bit more for it, but uh, you know again without detailing too much, it, it's gone where it should be. And um, you know, first and foremost for me, it's great when people buy an item, but for it to actually go where it can be truly appreciated, uh, truly enjoyed, and uh, and tell the stories it should be told, then to me, the excuse me. Couldn't be a more perfect ending to that story, are they? Brilliant. And tell us about the shirt again, John, just how early it was, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, the sort of working back through the historic kits, it was somewhere between 1886 and 1890. So without a doubt, you're going to struggle to find a an earlier league club shirt. Uh, obviously, they, they wouldn't have been in the league. They'd have been in the uh, uh, pre-football. No, they would have been football league then. Yeah, it, just such a rare, rare piece. You don't find them. As we said before, shirts got recycled. You know, they, they chop a badge off, cut them up. Uh, they had another life in a, in a world where, you know, things had a real value to them. So to find a complete one is is truly incredible. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful piece. And say so it tells a story of a far, far different time. And I don't, and you know, I just... don't think you, you'll ever get a shirt in better condition, that, that corner of age. It's uh, certainly better than the one that Dave Combrey's been wearing the last couple of weeks when we've worked together. I'll give you that. It would probably fit better much. as well, John, I think. No, too, too small. <laughs> no, yeah, John and I, you and I, you know, when we sort of looked at the catalogue of the shirt in Wellingborough, and we sort of amazed at the condition. I mean, one small repair, but professionally repaired. But, you know, other than that, it was just, I mean, 100 plus years old. It was it was just no wonderful. It was a wonderful item. And... I've been treasured as well. That's the beauty of it. I mean, whoever. Sadly, you can't attribute which player it was from, but you know, you, you'd love to think it was somebody significant or somebody just playing for the club at, at that time meant so much to them that they've kept it and it's been handed down. And you know, it, it tells such a story, just as you said, by the sheer condition it's in alone. You know, it's been treasured, loved, and quite rightly so. It's a fascinating piece. But you know, just at that point in mind, you obviously the three of us will sort of testify to you know having worked with or met older players who their only goal was to play for the club that they, they grew up as a you know boy yeah. heroes. And I mean and when you listen to them wax lyrically about all they want to do, the medals, the, the shirts were all peripheral things. They just wanted to play football for their boyhood heroes. And uh, yeah. you know obviously this would have been some momentous sort of item to get for that player back in eighteen eighty six, circa eighteen ninety. When he wore the shirt, thought this is the first time I'm going to wear the shirt. I'm going to put it away and keep it for. I mean, so it's a wonderful thing, and yeah. I think we said before you know, to and have the pleasure of putting it under the gavel. The not a single thought of of making a career in in football. It was just playing playing the game for the game's sake, wasn't it? Well, a very you know, different era. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, doing this job, we have seen contracts from players back in the day. I mean. We're getting five pounds a week, six pounds for the winter, and buy their own boots. So you know, yeah. <laughs> different days, you know. And it wasn't obviously it wasn't for money; it was purely for the passion of playing well, football. Yeah, again, I mean, I go back a couple of years. We bought Alf Ramsey's contract for a client, the piece of paper, his first England contract, and we paid more for the piece of paper than the contract itself was worth. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the 1962 England manager. Did a, I did a podcast the other night with um, Samantha Badger, Sam Badger, who was Len Badger's daughter. 
great Sheffield United fullback. We we just got chatting about our dad who's no longer with us. And uh, the most he told me, the most he ever earned at United in his entire career, and he was virtually a one-club player, was 75 quid. You know, that's fairly modern history as well, isn't it? You know, top flight football, captain. You get win bonus and stuff like that on top, I would imagine, but 75 quid in what is effectively a modern game. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something else. Sorry, we can chat about it all day. Let's move on. Um, so, one, again, one of our top picks, um, we were all, again, in the office in Melbourne, this was unpacked, was the rare golden helmet, albeit the silver enamel Speedway trophy. Now, this was a full-size replica done in solid silver, but with its inner. So, indeed, you can actually wear this um, helmet if you so wish to. Uh, again, dating from 1928, beautifully inscribed as well. Now, again, lots of interest in this estimate before the sale, two to three thousand pounds, and again going going into the hammerless type for three thousand two. So again, lots of competition for that, and uh, again, that's staying in the UK as well. So bought by a UK buyer. So delighted to see that, and uh, it was a real, certainly one of the my top ten lots so far. I have to say, so really yeah, good thing. absolutely, yeah. And again, moving on, uh, again, one of my picks was the, not really my thing, horse racing, but the the racing silks worn by Joe Mercer, 1974 on High Clear. Again, wonderful tactile things, beautifully designed and still, you know, the condition was, was fantastic. Albeit they were framed, but again, a wonderful set of silks and uh, they realised on the day again, £15,000 for those. And bearing in mind, that obviously, all these figures are quoting are without the bias premium. So, as we say, the hammer prices uh, and those. Um, so, again, a top price for that particular item. Um, gents, I'll put it back to you. Do you want to bring up some any sort of highlights from the sale as well? Um, just just commenting on the silks. I mean, again, I'm not into my horse racing at all, but but again, the historic angle of those and, you know, what you've rice-worn silks, just the history with them, fantastic. So, another, another great item to just... Just to say, go go across the block, so to speak, really. Yeah. yeah, it fascinates me. I mean, I must admit, the most I know about horses is that Roy Rogers had one. <laughs> uh, but it, it's an education, as you say, you, you're really old in history. And as you know, I, I love shirts, absolutely love shirts. And uh, to me, the George Best, number seven, the Man United 167, 68-ish, uh, what a wonderful piece. Yeah. You know, just, and did good money again, quite rightly so. Arguably one of us, not one of the greatest players that's ever stalked the planet. Um, you know, to own something like that, I'd never get tired of it. And um, it did good money, as we said, and quite rightly so. But there were some bargains as well. You know, some of the late 60s, um, we'll say they were reserve shirts or unbad shirts or unidentified shirts. The Everton one and the Man City one. I mean, they were, we talk about collectors starting out and, and where sort of price ranges are for people to get in, in the groove and you know, there was some stunning buys for people who, who want something of a vintage era, but didn't want to pay Sir George Best money for it, I suppose. And, you know, three, four hundred pounds bought you a couple of really, really nice shirts if you were uh, starting on that path. Yeah, and uh, just uh, on a similar theme, you know, we had the Dennis Law Scotland shirt. But interestingly, the Scotland tracksuit top oh. went, for more than the sh- went for more than the shirt. Absolutely. 
Um, again, another another great piece, and it just sort of demonstrates the, the rarity sometimes. Well, John and I, again, I think we mentioned the last podcast, John and I, again, we're doing a valuation evening in, in Hallam in, in Sheffield, and the great Tony Curry came along, and we were discussing tracksuit tops that evening, funny enough, and how much the market's changed from how collectible they have become yeah. and how the, values, how the values have basically gone up and up and up. Um, and you know, Tony brought out sort of half a dozen in mint condition Leeds, England, and you know, the vintage England with the beautiful wow. blue. So, you know, we valued those that evening at a couple of thousand pounds per tracksuit top, but I think obviously we may have to sort of revise that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I think they, they easily go because what you've got there is is that absolute halcyon era of Admiral as early. Early seventies and leads to I mean they were just iconic items. So um, just about the best tracksuit tops you could see. We we just need to prize them off him. Watch this space. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say to people listening. Watch this space. Well, they're so on ten, to... aren't they? You've heard it here first. Yes, I mean, I mean, you and I both were. You know, out came the sports bag, and then another one, and then another one, and another one, another one, and to everyone. Was better than the last, but, but it's interesting well. now. Yeah. So, sorry, tracksuit tops now have become an- anthem jackets, haven't they? They're not yeah. tracksuit tops anymore. No. Um, and as you see, uh, I mean, taking that little section, um, Tommy Hamilton was a a sort of trainer um, back in the day in nineteen sixties, and Scotsman went to Manchester and obviously ran a little sort of. Gym stroke gambling den stroke pub for players when they were didn't have as much attention or they were let off the loop left the lead after after training and games etc. So the wee section there. So he had again a sort of George Best United shirt that sold for thirteen thousand pounds. A Dennis Law Scotland shirt three thousand four hundred pounds. The aforementioned tracksuit top the Scotland one again vintage one four thousand for that one. The Nobby Styles uh, 1970 World Cup in Mexico, unworn shirt, but Cubby for Icon um, making five thousand pounds that day. I, I could have seen that one go a bit a bit more. Actually, I was half expecting that to go a little bit further. Yeah, I can't even play it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Still a good price, but um, yeah, just half expecting it to be a little bit, a bit more. more. Um, and then you know something again in the Scots, the early Rangers jersey, which I thought was wonderful. Yeah, um, making four thousand two hundred pounds. I mean, what a shot! I mean, obviously, that's a real, obviously, well, the price tells you that, but a real rarity and made that huge amount of money. So you know, prior to that, we section itself making over thirty thousand pounds for the vendor. He is delighted, absolutely delighted with uh, that section. And again, Adam and I, that came into our inboxes, and we both were sort of pinging back each other, thinking, "What a wonderful collection of items yeah. we got to get these!" Yeah. So, uh, so delighted, a we got them and. Uh, B, they made a huge amount of money for the vendor. And again, they were just perfect shirts to sell. You know, didn't take much of an effort. Just um, catalogued, photographed, put out there on the wires and, uh, you know, plenty of, plenty of interest in them. Well, I think I think the other thing is that the, the vendor also put a lot of time in to researching the shirts as well and, and got in touch with Umbro and did did quite a bit of work before he came to us. And that that's all really helpful, especially on shirts like, the Rangers shirt and and the um, the best shirt being nylon. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Not as we know, Providence is everything, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know, well, automatically, those shirts in the 60s, you get a nylon shirt and you become slightly suspicious. But, <laughs> but the, the, well, you'd expect it to be cotton when you'd straight yeah. away. It's not, it's not the norm. And, and actually, the research was through one of Umbro's catalogues, um, which helped to date the shirts in the end, the fact that they were... They only um, offered nylon shirts for one season. Yeah. And they kitted out Man United, Rangers, Stoke were another one, and a fourth club, a, a skate. So just little things like that. You're always, yeah, always building on your knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Become the, you become a fire risk as well, obviously, all that uh, nylon. So let's go on to talk about the top, the top two lots in the sale. So both lots making... Each made thirty six thousand pounds. Um, the earliest being obviously the eighteen ninety six Olympic winners medal. Again, we still don't know who the medal was awarded to, but this, uh, albeit being a silver coloured medal, represented a, a winning medal for the first modern Olympics as we know it. Again, pre-sale estimate on that was between thirty and fifty thousand, and again, it was a top one of our top lots that day, making thirty six thousand pounds. And again, I think it was bought on the phone as well um, by one of my colleagues here who, who um, were phone bidding with them at the time. So a fantastic price, a real excellent price for a really, really rare medal. The next top lot, gents, what do you want to pick it up? The, well, seeing as I was on the phone again, another one of my lots. I'll there we go. The, I'll you take the credit it, for it. Um, the 86 World Cup final ball, um, which fetched the same amount, 36000 Great, great item. Sadly, we didn't know at the time when we talked about it pre-auction. Um, unfortunately, the referee died on the, the, the weekend just just before the auction. Yeah, um, very funny in that. And, the, you know, the the family still still wanted the auction to go ahead. And we got some nice feedback and some nice coverage. I think there's some really good article in Forbes magazine about the ball and the referee. And and a lovely email from the family afterwards saying how pleased they were and, and and just what a testament it was to the father. So that that was really nice and the the stories behind the object I think that was really poignant. So um, please please for them and, and please for the results. Just a shame he didn't get to to see it go. No, sure, but uh, I think you know, the 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 press. Interview did just prior to was obviously great for the family and as you mentioned you know, the 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 email was back to say please go ahead with the sale and uh, and obviously uh, the wonderful result we had and you know joint top top seller as well so you know adds yeah. to the yeah the cashier of the story and uh, you know hopefully the use a legacy for the family back in um, South America so uh, so yeah that was point thing but uh, you know glad to sell it and sell it for you know that amount of money. Um, I think once you mentioned the last podcast, John, was that Peter Harris back-to-back championship medals as well. Yeah. Tell us, tell us how they did that day. Again, you know, I think we, we got a, a level on a 15 to 20 for the pair, uh, and we made 15,500 on them. Uh, again, you know, these are the wonderful markers in history, aren't they? You look back and Portsmouth have had some great success in, in modern years. They've had their troubles and strifes as well, but you sort of taking it back to a, a time just after the first world, uh, sorry, second world war, where they were a dominant side, you know, a real, real dominant side, and Phil Marshall Montgomery's life chairman, and uh, just wonderful, wonderful things. And 
you know, you speak to footballers today and you ask them what they want to win and, and, and you know, the more ambitious so they want to win a European Cup or the more traditional perhaps will want to win the FA Cups, it still means something. But to win the league is the ultimate accolade, isn't it? You are the best of the best. And, um, you know, getting one league championship medal in a career is often some achievement. But to get two uh, and have them back-to-back, wow, you know. Um, fantastic pieces from a, a great, great time in Pompey's history, yeah. Yeah, I'd, have, I'd agree. Yeah. Wonderful. And the um, the PK helmet did did well. I think we got estimates twenty to thirty, and that went for thirty two. So brilliant near the money again, and that's that's off um, that's off to Europe. Um, what was your what was your thoughts? I mean, I was surprised that um, the copper medals, you know, didn't sell. You know, and and just again, to me as a devotee of football, absolutely iconic. Yeah, we got we got close, but we didn't quite get them over the line. Yeah. I think. Um, we live to fight another day on those because they they were well are part of a, a much bigger Copa collection. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we're hoping that they'll come back in as part of that bigger collection either in the next sale or or in September because they're still some of the nicest items. Brilliant! Absolutely superb! Yeah, great. Yeah, I think maybe just slightly on the high side, but you know, obviously, yeah. we, we try to sell everything we possibly can, but sometimes there'll be casualties. But as Adam said. We'll probably come back round again and hopefully this time with some items added to the, the copper collection. So yeah. may advance them up there. Um I, I for me, I think I have to say, you know, the the, the Bobby Charlton Puskas swap. Or the, yeah, uh, the from nineteen fifty nine. The Booby Charlton. The Booby Charlton, yes. Booby Charlton, he's he's left an iron brother. That's probably why I didn't get very much. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Your your um your on air um type um you know, typos there but yes the, the Bobby Charlton Busca swap again that was a real hit in the auction lots of interest again in that lots of online watchers and obviously twenty to thirty thousand selling for thirty thousand pound hammer and the again, prop. Uh, reflected again in just how strong the market is for Man United at the moment yeah um, oh, yeah and and. The biggest item we had that went overestimate with a violet medal. Um, I think we got it at twelve to eighteen. Eventually sold for thirty thousand. So, real success. Well, that was fiercely fought for that medal as well. I have to see, it wasn't was. it? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. You nearly couldn't keep up. On no, the... but that's the it's beauty of that. Uh... You know, he had everything, didn't it? I mean, the player, the background, the history, the the, the tragedy of the time at Old Trafford, and and just uh, again. The history markers aren't these aren't medals. They're more than medals. You know, they, they really are true marks off points in, in one of the biggest clubs in Europe, if not the biggest club in Europe's history. Yeah. Incredible. But the, there you go. I mean, as Adam says, the, the Man United items certainly are prima lots at the moment. And uh you're not to sort of see too much out of school, but keep your eye on our website for some announcement upcoming on on that score moving forward for the autumn, and just a few other things. Obviously, times against us a wee bit. The George Best cap from nineteen sixty nine seventy again, just got that away just on the reserve at eighteen thousand pounds. Again, it's found a, a, a wonderful new home. And but it shows, well. again shows the quality of the sale that we had. That that we're talking about a George Best cap, honest cap. 
in sitting in about ten or fifteenth place on the yeah, yeah. on the list. You know, usually you'd be that'd be one of the first things you'd talk about. So just yeah, just well, really I think you said at the start. Obviously, because this was our our record a record breaking auction, and uh, you know, prior prior to this, obviously, we discussed of an evening in the having a glass of lemonade, you know, the amount of good lots we had in the sale. And uh, it was actually become a bit of a sort of one fight to get these, not get the lots in, but to get them mentioned on highlight packages or press calls, etc. that type of thing. So so delighted to see, as I say, you know, over 1,100 lots um, selling for, as I mentioned at the start, over £840,000, which was a record-breaking sale for us. Well, gents, I think that's coming to time. Just want to thank you very much again for your input. Um, we'll be trying to do more and more of these podcasts upcoming, so please keep an eye um, on our social pages, etc. Or in here. Or in here, yes. We've got some good ideas moving forward. And just to sort of tip the wink for the sales moving forward again, let's just go through those briefly. Next year, we're looking at 6th and 7th of June. Um, that sale is way in advance of cataloguing now. Um, so any lots you wish to discuss, please get in contact as soon as possible. That sale will also include a really nice selection of Pelly memorabilia. Um, and again, one or two highlights in that sale, which will announce in due course. After the summer break, 5th and 6th of September, and that sale will include a nice, again, section of rugby memorabilia. It's 20 years after England won the World Cup in Australia, so there's some nice items actually match-worn items from that um, game in the sale also, along with some other nice rugby items. Also, um, we do have, as I mentioned before, a single owner sale, 28th of September, which we will um, give you more details moving forward. Just a few more things to to get in place, then we can announce that sale. 5th and 6th of December, last year of the year for sporting. Uh, again, you can discuss any items you want to discuss for late in the year, you can contact with us. Um, my colleague John, John Garrett, who obviously you've heard of the podcast here, will take the lead in our first ever vinyl and pop culture auction. Yeah, can't wait. October. Bit about that, John, quickly. What do you think? How's it, how's it coming along? It's come on great. Uh, you know, we urge everybody, every one of our customers, every one of our listeners, uh, go and shake your cupboards, shake your drawers, shake your attics and your garages. You may be selling an absolute fortune out there. We've had some nice individual pieces. It's a bit like programmes, really, but uh, you'll either get them in batches or in individual singles, and some of the uh, the individual albums we've been uh, we've been looking at to bring through a mouthwashing, superb, fantastic. And uh, like like before, we're all contactable. GreenBudAuctions.co.uk. All our email addresses are there. Upcoming sale information. And again, if you want to go through this sale properly, look at all the lots that we had uh, on the March sale. Then please log on to the website. Go to the past sales and give you the every lot that sold um, and what it sold for. And thank you for listening. And we look forward to bringing the next podcast in due course. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, John. Thank you, Mr. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening.